cheeky back heel. With ease, Miguel Aziz, his first goal for Portsmouth. Into the path of Smith Rowe, into the box, Smith Rowe scores! A really deserved first goal in Huddersfield Town Colours. Charlie Patino is back in the starting 11 and he gets it off with a bang. Blackpool in an absolute must-win game. Come out on top 6-1 over QPR. Scored four in the first half. Flo Balagoon scores in a massive away test to Monaco. Brignorton Cuffey, 45 minutes as Coventry continue on this wonderful unbeaten streak as they try to secure promotion. But there also was some mishaps this week with two red cards in the championship and many players not getting their chance but let's go back to the top charlie patino back in the starting 11 for a 6-1 win over qpr he had two assists both off of corner kicks and you know what this is absolutely no coincidence there is not much to say other than i cannot understand why charlie patino had been excluded over the past few matches he is a must play week in and week out for a team struggling to stay in the championship Mick McCarthy has been going with the more experienced players, and it has not worked out. So he turned back to his trusty youngster, Charlie Patino, and he's been fabulous as he was in this match. Two assists, 15 of 20 passing. Seven ground duels won out of nine. Four out of seven aerial duels won. Two interception, five recoveries, and he was fouled three times. The two corner kicks, let's just start there. Both of them were absolutely perfect. On a dime, right on the edge of the six-yard box, landing right in the dead middle of the goal for free headers for the most part. Blackpool were the hungrier team in this match, and they did really well to knock both of those home. Patino had a few other nice corner kicks. He had a few other nice plays from dead balls. He seems to be the best player from a free kick at the moment for Blackpool, and he did very well in that in this match. I was also very impressed in his ball retention in midfield, especially with his back to a defender. He's able to draw fouls. He's able to you know, draw two defenders and make another pass and recycle play. Things that Blackpool have been struggling with when he's not on the pitch. Patino also is extremely accurate on long balls. He's extremely smart in finding the right players as outlets. He really is such a key player for the way Mick McCarthy's playing. It hasn't made a lot of sense with him on the bench. The only thing I can understand is potentially a little bit of wear out, a little bit of burnout, young player playing in his first senior season. But nonetheless, Charlie Patino is back in the starting 11. I expect him to retain his place with a performance like this in a match where Blackpool maybe played their best they have all season. I don't see a world in which Charlie Patino will not be in the starting 11 this weekend and playing in that same role. Flo Balagoon, back on the score sheet. And as you know, Reams are 19 matches undefeated in League One since Will Still has taken over, and they're paying 22,000 euros a week that Will Still is in charge because he does not have the correct license. But no, seriously, Will Still and Flo Balagoon is an unbelievable combination. He scored the winner. He had five shots, three on target, one blocked, one off, and two big chances missed. He created 1.2 XG on his own, 0.7 XG on target. Four key passes, 16 of 20 passing, completed his only cross, completed his only long ball. He won three ground duels. He won one of two aerial duels, and he was fouled three times. It was an incredible performance from Flo Balagoon, doing all of the things you need from a center forward. His center forward play keeps elevating week in and week out. And I dare say this because I feel that 
this is going to be taken out of context, but his game is really reminding me quite a bit of Gabriel Jesus. He pops up all over the pitch to receive the ball. He wriggles away from players. He rotates. He finds himself in different areas of the pitch. He gets fouled a lot. He's constantly causing issues. He misses big chances a lot. Yes, he may not have the exact tactic, technical skills that Gabriel Jesus has, but Gabriel Jesus doesn't necessarily have the physique, the speed of Flo Balogun. He doesn't necessarily have the ability to play with his back to goal quite as well in certain situations when he's going up against maybe stronger defenders. I don't think Flo Balogun and Gabriel Jesus are one like, like for like, one for one, obviously not. But there are certain parts about Balogun's game that I think translate really well to Arsenal's current system. And as we saw with Martinelli when he played with Nketiah, he struggled because he was isolated out on that left wing. He wasn't able to drift centrally as much, and Kedia was taking up those spaces. With a player like Flo Balogun, who has experience out wide, similar to Gabby Jesus, I think it can help Martinelli a lot. I think they can play really well together. I think it can help Saka a lot. You see Saka likes to drift inwards more and more often. He likes to get in those spaces just outside of the dead center of the pitch where he can receive and turn either and shoot on his left, shoot on his right, play a ball out wide. If Flo Balogun's in there, he's happy to drift to either side. I think they would really work well together. Balogun also almost scored a second goal in this match. He stole the ball from a defender. He's become a relentless presser this season. It really started with Chris Wilder, but this season he has become a relentless presser. He stole the ball from a defender, had a 1v1 with the keeper late on in the match, could not sneak it by, and that is a little bit of what you get with Flo Balogun. I'm going to read you some stats about Balogun in League One this year. He has the third highest XG in League One behind only Mbappe and Jonathan David. That's good company to be in. Balogun has won more penalties than anyone in League One. Balogun has the third most big chances missed in League One this season. And although that may sound like a bad stat, that is a good stat. The other people on the big chances missed list that are up near the top are also near the top of the top scorers list. This includes, again, Kylian Mbappe, Jonathan David, Mofi, Messi, all up there on the big chances missed list and the top scorers list. The truth of the matter about goal scoring, for the most part, unless you are an absolute elite finisher, the Hoingling the sons of the world who score from positions where XG is very, very low. It really just comes down to a center forward's ability to get in the right places. The rest is just really gravy. There are going to be years where they well outperform their XG. There are going to be years where they're below their XG. There are going to be years where they're right on their XG, and they're going to have, they're going to be at the, the top of the list of big chances missed. Erling Holland always up there with big chances missed. He gets in the right positions. That's why he's such a good goal scorer. Look at the five goals he scored in the Champions League this week. It's because he was in the right positions at the right time. Goals will come when you do that. And that is the key to playing center forward. And that is something that Flo Balogun has become amongst the elite at. However, Balogun was not called up to the England squad. He then posted a cryptic Instagram story. I've been saying this for months. I believe he's going to decide to play for the U.S. men's national team because he will be a guaranteed starter for the next decade, for the most part, if he continues on this trajectory. He will pretty much be a guaranteed starter at the 2026 World Cup, which is being held in the United States. I just don't see a world at this point where he can believe that he's going to get the chance with England unless Southgate is fired in the next year or so. I think Balogun will wait till the summer to make a decision. He might even wait longer, depending how this season ends. But... If he continues to play like this and does not get a shout from England, I could see him going to represent the USA. 
And as a Yank myself, I would be so thrilled by that. Going back to the championship and England as we speak about them, Brooke Norton Cuffey played 45 minutes at right wing back in a 1-1 draw with Wigan Athletic this week. He played the second half. It was an interesting match for him because by the numbers, you're going to hear the numbers and you're going to be like, oh, that's not his best match. He didn't play very well. But this is one of those ones where you kind of have to watch the match to see what happened. It's not an, it's an eye test type of performance. Norton Cuffey was 12 of 15 passing, one successful dribble on six attempts. Two ground duels, one out of seven. Zero aerial duels, one out of three. He went on a really nice run when he came on, pretty much immediately got right into the box. In a dangerous position, he had three runners coming in, but he just duffed the cross. He's really struggled with crossing this season, both at Rotherham, where he started to get a little better towards the end of that loan spell, and at Coventry. It's pretty odd because it's not something he struggled with at Lincoln. It's not something he ever struggled with in the academy. And it doesn't really even come down to the kind of space that he is having. It's kind of a lack of confidence at the moment. That's the only thing I can put it up towards. Yeah, he's not the most technically skilled, but his crossing has always been one of his strong suits. There's absolutely no doubt about that. And to me, it doesn't worry me in the long term. He's not going to have forgotten how to cross and never be able to cross well again. He had a really nice cross in the 63rd minute, hard bouncing cross across the six-yard box that pretty much went all the way across, but both Gooden and Gyokeris didn't gamble on it. And nobody was there to knock it home. When the match became tied with a team in relegation form at the near the bottom of the table, Coventry were pushing for that goal, and Brooke Norton Cuffey was trying to make things happen. He had a good fight, he had good aggression, un- good ideas. Unfortunately, nothing came from it. He lost the ball a couple times trying to go past players. But I think he provides something to this Coventry team that is necessary. There are a lot of very good technical players in midfield and up top with Gyokeries and Casey Palmer when he's around. But Brooke Norton Cuffey adds a little bit of raw athleticism, raw aggression, that a side needs. It doesn't need to be 11 perfectly technically skilled players who are passing sideways, keeping possession, especially when you're in the championship, especially when you're in a dogfight for promotion. He seems to have split the fan base, at least from what I can tell, on if people want to see him in the 11 or not. I'd expect to see him... Not starting every week. I think it depends on the match. I think he'll feature every week, at least as a substitute, because he can provide that bit of power and pace that a match sometimes needs the injection of. But we shall see. The missed crossed opportunities are definitely hurting him. If it wasn't for that, he would be in the 11 every single week. I guarantee it. We're going to stay in the championship for a couple of not-so-good things. Well, Marquinhos played two matches this week. The first he came on and played 34 minutes in a 1-0 loss to Sunderland, and I actually thought he did quite well at certain things. He had one shot, he was 6 of 8 passing, 1 of 2 on dribbles, converted his only long ball, won 3 out of 6 ground duels, and won both of his aerial duels. He did alright at times. He, he was trying to make things happen. Norris were chasing the game. They had pretty much complete control of possession. And Marquinhos is a really interesting winger in the fact that he's great at ball retention. He's good with his back to a defender. He's, he's wide and strong. He completes most of his passes because he doesn't necessarily try the most dangerous things. He drew some fouls uh, in interesting areas. But it's too much receiving and not facing up. Not, he's not able to attack the goal and make things happen. And to me... 
This all comes down to the issue of what his body shape is when he's receiving the ball. And we've talked about this a couple of times. He's receiving the ball, and by the time he faces up, he doesn't have the chance to go to goal. I think you see this a lot with Anthony at Manchester United. I think you see this with a lot of wingers because it takes some guts and courage to receive the ball facing a defender. You have to be able to take a perfect first touch that gives you the opportunity to attack, that gives you the space, that gives you the angle, and if you don't, you will lose the ball. And I think Marquinhos will get better at this by working with Arteta as Saka has, Martinelli has, Sané, Sterling, you name it. Even Mares in ways. So we shall see what the future holds for Marquinhos in that area because he's already good at ball retention, and that's an exceptional skill to have. And he's not afraid of the physical elements of the league. He is a strong player. But he needs to work on that body shape when receiving balls. His second match this week, 89 minutes and a 1-1 draw with Huddersfield. These were not the results Norwich were looking for this week as they are trying to make the promotion playoffs. He had one shot, 22 of 28 passing, one successful dribble, one successful cross, one successful long ball. But he did get a red card in the 92nd minute, uh, which was a weak call. It's kind of a long ball played into him. A straight elbow as two players are going up for a header for a long ball. Not on purpose at all. There was no intention. Brutal to get a three-match ban for it. And, you know, wasn't his greatest match. Didn't make a whole lot happen. Norwich kind of struggled in both matches this week. I don't know. Three-match ban, depending on Norwich are at that point and how they play over the next three matches, could really limit Marquinhos' playing time as the season comes to an end. He could be used as a sub off the bench. Again, with that ball retention skill and matches that they're winning, that would be a great thing to have for Norwich. And, and injuries are going to decide a lot of this and, and availability, but an interesting week for Marquinhos. Again, I mentioned a second performance in the championship that had a red card, and that was Omar Rekik, who had a disastrous 28 minutes against Burnley in a 3-0 loss. Burnley are in incredible form right now. 16 games unbeaten, super far up in first place, pretty much guaranteed automatic promotion and, and the title at this point. But Reiki picked up two yellow cards, one in the ninth, one in the 28th, to get sent off. He was 4-4 four four passing, three clearances, one interception before that. Both of his fouls turned into yellow cards. The first was such an unnecessary challenge. Teller received the ball near the sideline, took a big touch as Reiki was chasing down, came in sliding and, you know, just nicked his leg and, and picked up a yellow for it because I don't know if Teller's getting to that ball, but he was a sure surefire yellow card challenge. The only thing that would have potentially stopped that from being a yellow card was the fact that it was so early on in the game. The second was a similar situation. Tello took another big touch to go around Rekik. Rekik tried to come in and win the ball first. He gets Tello's ankle, second yellow card, and off goes Rekik 28 minutes in, and Wigan Athletic lose 3-0. There's only one previous red card in his career for Omar Rekik, which is against Chelsea under-23s in a 6-1 win, which did not cost his side. I'm not sure exactly what was going on in Rekik's head. It's a little bit of what I talked about where he just kind of has these mental lapses when he's kind of in, in the off-ball marking situations, when he's you know making sure that he's not getting beaten behind. This sometimes happens to him. And I think he was just trying to recover so fast in both situations that he was unable to make a smart decision. Rekik will now see himself get a one-match ban, but he is in... Added a lot to Wigan's side. I don't expect this to cost him playing time in the long run. Speaking of playing time, Mazita Gungbo is starting to become more of a factor now for Crawley Town, playing the full 90 at left back in a 3-1 win over Harrogate Town. A huge, huge result for Crawley. 
17 of 34 passing for Mazid, two key passes, six recoveries. He won four duels out of 10 combined. You know, Agungbo, it's not been a great season for him. It's not been a great season for Crawley Town. They've had their ups and downs. They had to fire Kevin Betsy, you know, the whole shtick. I'd like to see him continue to play at left back. I don't know if he necessarily has the strengths to play at center back. I think he offers a unique physicality at left back and a unique passing style and range at left back. So it seems like the management and the coaching staff are liking what they're seeing from Mazid. And I'd expect to see him not start every week, but similar to Brook Norton Cuffey, where he'll come in in certain games, he'll start certain games. He offers a different, a little bit of something different than what the rest of the team offers. Staying in League Two, Taylor Foran with Hartlepool United, 90 minutes in a 1-1 draw with Northampton Town. 19 of 28 passing, one key pass. One of two long balls, one of two tackles won. He made four clearances, three interceptions, two of four ground duels won, and three of four aerial duels won. And as I said before this loan started, and as I'll continue to say, he is a dual demon with the likes of Daniel Ballard. Very similar players in that remark. He has won 22 of 26 aerial duels since arriving at Hartlepool United, 32 of 44 total duels won in League Two. These are exceptional exceptional numbers for a player in their first bout with senior football. He is not scared of the physicality. In fact, he welcomes it. He will challenge anybody when they get close to him, and he will win that duel. No questions asked. That is what you get with Taylor Foran, and that's what he's bringing to Hartlepool United as they're facing an uphill battle in this relegation zone. If they continue to play like this and get results at this rate, I think they'll be able to avoid relegation, especially with the help of a no-nonsense defender like Taylor Foron. Tim McAnola played 90 minutes in a 1-1 draw with Uville Town. Continues to be a physical force in midfield, wins balls back, helps in transition defense, really helps close down and, and, and stop any kind of counterattacks from happening. He doesn't do much in the attack as he did not in this match, but he provides, again, another player who provides something a little bit different to a side who are playing important matches week in and week out. Interesting, Akinola did not feature at all in the next match, was not on the bench, was not in the starting 11. It seemed that he was a little knackered from this Uville Town match and needed a rest, and we expect to see him back in the squad for the next match. Those are all the outfield players who featured on loan this week. Tyrese John-Jules was back in full training, though, for Ipswich Town. Hope to see him soon. Nikolai Muller still has not returned from injury. He was on the bench but did not get into the match. We hope to see him back in the 11 soon because Denbosch are very much struggling. Mika Biarith has been called up to the U21s for Denmark. He's only ever played for the U19s, so hoping to see him get some action for the U21s for what's a very exciting national team setup at this current time. Marcelo Flores, after that one start, on the bench for the full 90 versus Tenerife. Alex Kirk of Ayer United did not feature for the second match in a row against Falkirk in the Scottish FA Cup quarterfinals, and Ayer United lost 2-1 to a team in the division below them. It's quite shocking that when you bench your best defender, it's not a good long-term solution. Our United will hopefully go back to Alex Kirk in the upcoming matches. Ryan Alibiosu did not feature against Inverness in a 2-1 loss for Kilmarnock in the Scottish FA Cup. So both of those sides are now out of the Scottish FA Cup as they go to the semifinals. 
Wigan Athletic, Miguel Aziz, did not play for either the U21 or the senior team this week. Unclear if we will see Miguel Aziz at any point again the rest of this season. Another really upsetting loan window for him. Nathan butler he did not feature for Accrington Stanley in a 3-1 loss to Portsmouth. Early red card for Accrington Stanley probably you know, nullified any chance of having butler he get his chance. Uh, Keto Taylor-Hart and Billy Vigor. Derby County Under-21s had no matches this week. Now we go to our goalies. Arthur Okonkwo played in a 3-1 win over Austria-Vienna in the Austrian Bundesliga. He made zero saves, but he's 24 of 27 passing, 6 of 9 on long balls. Vienna got a free header just outside the six, perfectly headed into the far corner. Nothing Okonkwo could have done. No other shots on target in this match. Pretty easy for Arthur Okonkwo. I guess no complaints, but you would kind of like to see him challenged. So I guess not the greatest news, but not the worst news. Ovi Ejahiri did not feature in the last couple friendlies for SJK Sanajoki. Tom Smith is still hanging on the bench for Colchester United. And that's all of our players on loan. Looking forward, we've got Omari Benjamin will feature for the Wales under-19 side. He has previously featured for their under-17s and 16s, never the under-19s. He's qualified to still feature for the under-17s, so you'd love to see him getting that call-up. Carl Hein will be featuring for Estonia yet again in their senior side. He has played 18 matches for their national team. He is their number one and he will face Hungary in a friendly and then Austria in a Euro 2024 qualifier. There will be much more news to come on the international break. I expect to see a bunch of players in the England setup, uh, many of their youth setups. I expect to see maybe Bandera in the Portugal youth setups. He's had a really good spell now for the under-21s at right back. He's played some midfield, some attacking midfield, a very useful player. Uh, I would expect to hopefully see Catalan Sirjan get in their Romanian setup at some level. He's in excellent form, uh, training with the first team as well at Arsenal. And other than that, you have the likes of Joel Idaho, who could feature for the Netherlands youth setups. Uh, you might see either the Uladem Han brothers feature for the Netherlands setup. You could see Uladem Han feature for the Moroccan setup. Uh, unfortunately, Omar Rekik was not called up for Tunisia. You might see Maldini Calcuri feature for an Albanian youth team at some point soon. But I'll keep you posted on all of those things this week as that news and those squads start to get announced. But thank you all for listening to another episode of Away From Hail End. And we will be back next week with more updates from this week's matches.